everyone and welcome to another Sunday Roast. We have two wonderful guests with us again today. Um, a special on the USA, actually. Um, well, let's start off with Scott. Can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, Scott? Hi, my name is Scott. Um, I'm old and I am from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I live in London now. I've been living here for about 30 years, but um, obviously I keep an eye on what's going on at home. I'm just a I'm just a normal guy, you know, normal American slash British person. But by trade, I'm a barber. And you probably got a lot of insight into actually how the world should work. <laughs> well, no, not really, because a lot of people that come in aren't very smart. Um, and <laughs> London's not that bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I grew up in America. I mean, England is uh, intellectually superior <laughs> like <laughs> it, when you compare it to the American education system, which I am a massive critic of. So, And Simon, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, yeah. I'm Simon. It's probably the fourth time I've been on this show. Um, I run a channel called The Track Record. Um, I cover mostly geopolitics with a lot of... Uh, a lot of cool map animations, um, but also have a keen interest in British politics, which is why I'm here. Wonderful. My wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Alex, also known as Political X. I'm a historian, author, and journalist. And my wonderful co-host, Max. My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and Brexit issues in particular. Alex, our first and main topic today is the US. What would Where would we like to start? We're going to go straight into Trump and Biden. Let's do it. Senality, old age, what a choice. What's gone wrong in the United States that you've got two people who are older than the oldest presidents, including, I think, Reagan, who left but office Reagan, at 69. Reagan was, yeah, Reagan was 60 when he started, and people were worried that he was too old. It's one of the questions that was thrown at him. What's happened with the United States? Why have we got a situation where have, literally you've got a choice no between... Two people that are just, I mean, they're literally forgetting their lines and what they're talking about mid-flow. Simon, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this before we go over to our American cousin? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, a couple of things. I think it's it's such a large country, such a big political system that it, it takes these individuals so long through their career to rise to that position is one problem. Um, it doesn't directly link to the presidential position, but I think that there's part of the issue with senality in America is the fact that they have uh supreme court judges for life i mean that's that's mad they should have term limits or something or a rotating system it, it's completely insane um so i think that sort of puts in the sort of the cultural expectation for people to be old um yeah i mean i i think i think it's incredibly troubling and actually i i think i'm much more concerned about it in terms of biden because i mean trump's always seemed a bit demented and people seem to like him for <laughs> it but he but he's retained that energy whereas actually by i mean i i do think trump's going to win the next election and i think a big bit of it is biden just looks so frail you know he you, forgot you know... he forgot the year his son died you know he he really yeah I, I i think it's very concerning do you not feel it's do you not feel that trump is just as old and doddery i mean he was literally confusing nancy pelosi with nikki haley his own un ambassador or representative i, I think i think well, as long as trump has been in the public eye if you look at a transcript of what he says it's always been gibberish so I think I think it's masked by a the fact he's always been gibberish anyway, but also the fact that he 
he might be talking nonsense, but you know he has the energy, he has the bravado. You know he can still stand there and do his whole thing at his rallies. You know, whereas actually Biden does does look visually lethargic, I think, you know, and, and he, he slurs his words much more often. And yeah, so I, I think I think it's visibly more of a concern with Biden. I guess there's a, a, that element as well, which surprises me. Trump didn't age after office. He looks identical. Most people would age and, and look that, older. I mean, Obama that, went that's that's Because he's never worked a day in his life. That's why. It's, I think I'd probably look quite good if I spent four-fifths of my time playing golf. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, actually? How many days was it? A hundred. And he barracked Obama about that for doing it, was, it 12 it, times. I think it was literally every Saturday. It was literally every Saturday. It felt like it, didn't it? I mean, actually, yeah, if it was a hundred days. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. It was literally every Saturday. Go and play golf. Did he actually use it as like a way of getting away from stuff? Or was it actually he'd meet up with other politicians and they then go on the course? I'm sure that's what he would say to people. Um, but I don't think that would be the case. I think it was a case of I'm the president. And if I want to play golf on Saturday, I'm going to play golf. Yeah, he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. That, 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 that's what that was about. What are your thoughts then, Trump or Biden? Who's likely to win? Well, I completely disagree with what Simon said about Trump winning. I don't see that happening at all. Um, and that, and, and I think they would, I think Americans would rather see a senile old man rather than Trump. I think, you know, it's very easy on this side of the pond to sort of look at what's going on from the outside in uh, and say, oh, well, Trump's definitely going to win. I've had this argument with a few people now, a few English people now, and I'm just like, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, uh, you have to remember, he is, he is uh, with what happened with the Supreme Court and the abortion thing, he has upset pretty much most women in America in general. Do you know what I mean? It's looking like that in some of the swing states, those are the people that are going to swing it. Housewives and stuff like that. People like that. So it's, um, I I personally, as like my own sort of uh, opinion, you got to get rid of Biden. I mean, he has to go. They need to bring somebody in who is younger and fresher and and will be able to bring a bit of vibrancy to, to proceedings. If someone got up there and, and looked competent and sounded competent and could say this is what we're gonna do right I and then you got trump sitting there going on about Nikki Haley and you know buy my shoes and all this ridiculousness right again like it will happen again it's gonna look like there's an adult in the room yeah so this is this this is this is what I think, and I think. Can, can I just? Yeah, can I just come in because uh, no, no, one of the there was, and I've forgotten his name again. Um, there was a pollster who has been correct about every election since 1984. I don't know if uh, Alex. Thirteen can keys to power is a yeah, yeah, university lecturer. But but uh, he he has, he has said um, that uh, the incumbency key is important. So so Biden will have that. Um, so if we were to change Biden to somebody else, it may look good on paper, but in reality, the the Democrats would lose a massive advantage of the incumbency. Um, but no, I, I agree that when Biden, if Biden doesn't wins, look competent, it, 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 it's clear that there is a, a cognitive problem. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think it's I think it's a case of are people happy with the status 
status quo. So it might, may not actually be Biden that they're happy with. Are they happy with the status quo? And I think the economy is doing, the US economy is doing a lot better than other economies, Western economies. Um, the this I, I don't know about what, what people think about healthcare, if things have improved or not, but um, I think it's like the economy and cost of living. Is that like, what do people think would be, would be the case if Donald Trump was in charge? Would things improve or would things get worse? And and I think something different about this election is in the past, you had the incumbent and you had a newcomer, but Trump was already in charge in the past. So he's he doesn't have this newcomer advantage, I think, which is against him. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that, that Biden will win it, but, but, I, but I agree with what you said, that he needs to be replaced as soon as he as soon as he's in power, as soon as he wins, he needs to be replaced with somebody younger. And I, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on AOC or somebody like that. Oh, I mean, I, I think someone like that would be would be brilliant. I think she might be a little bit too left for um, for central for yeah, yeah for yeah for <laughs> Betty and Joe beer can living in Missouri. She's just a little too radical for people like that. Um, but where it's um, maybe Kamala. But, you know, it has to be somebody a little younger, obviously, who's on the ball, knows what's going on, and looks competent. The more Trump seems to talk, and you get the court cases, and the news, and the, the, he repeats the same stuff all the time, you know, the, the whole uh, deep state, uh, uh, kangaroo court, uh, you know, all this crap. He sounds more and more unhinged as time goes on. Now, a lot of his base love that because it's owning the libs, right? But I think the general average American person, they don't really care about that. They want someone who's going to go in there, do the job, do the job properly. I can't see it. I can't see it myself. But I, I just looked it up. It's Alan Lickman. Who's the who's the guy who uh, predicts it correctly? But, since isn't there a parrot that does that too? What's that? Isn't there a parrot that does that too? Like, <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like he, he moves his little claw onto the name, and he's gotten it right for like the last twenty years. I think I think you might be right. I know there was an octopus for the World Cup that right. seemed to get it right, and I think there was a camel yeah. as well that seemed to get it. I I mean, you've got a fifty-fifty, but as the odds, have you, well, you keep yeah. repeating it? You know, I think he's just gotten really lucky. He should play the lottery rather than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got to say, with Simon, I agree that Biden looks more frail than Trump. They both seem to have lost it. Like, I still prefer Biden. I'm going to leave. I prefer Joe Biden. <laughs> crack pipe over Trump. I'm gonna, I'm, I was about to go. You know what? I got to go. The, I mean, is it the way the presidential, the American system works? Um, I, I'm not sure if they can swap out Biden at this phase. I think they're pretty locked in, and I certainly no, don't no. think they could just put so, airdrop someone no, like they, AOC they, they, in they, there. Like, they haven't done the primaries yet. Uh, the mm -hmm. primaries is is really where um, the, and the and the conventions and all that. That's really where they choose their candidate. The parties choose their candidates. So. Um, it's just that nobody else has like it. It's weird. It looks like the Democrats are trying to play safe and not go up against Biden because Biden's already won against him once, so they think he's got to do it again. Um, it also makes your party look weak if you if you're continually swapping. If there's nobody else that can that can like go the Tories, him. yeah. Well, yeah. 
I don't. Um, yeah, it, it, while I would love to see AOC as president, I think that would definitely not go down well. For it would. It would go down America. really badly with a lot, like a lot of people. You have to remember that the Democrat, the Democrats in America are pretty much akin to the Tory Party, like you know, and the Republicans are just way, way further okay. conservative than our Tory Party is, or yeah, English Tory Party. So. You have to you have to remember that someone like AOC, she's she's the Jeremy Corbyn, she's the um, you know what I mean. She's she's the, the radical. Um, a lot of people obviously agree with what she says. I agree with a lot of what she says, but um, you know, is it Alexandra like said, Alexandra Cortez? Cortez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make yeah. sure that everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think I think Scott was also referring to the I think it was the deputy. Or the the former governor of California, a young guy. Uh, New he Greenwich. seems. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's New Gingrich because he was a Republican. But there, there was a. Um... Oh no, then I'm I'm getting it wrong. Then no, but there, there was a there was a. I I don't know if he's still the governor or he was the deputy governor of uh, California. He he he's really popular, so he could be he could be a, a candidate in there's, the future as well. There's also JFK, uh, John F. Kennedy Sorry. Jr., who's running. That no Not one's the, really talking about over here. Oh, that you know why? Because he's an anti-vax nutcase. Isn't he? But a he's third being plugged. Though he's not a Democrat. I thought he was a third. Party. No, he's going to run for Democrat under the Democrats. Okay. So I think we will see him in the primaries. Not to say he'll win, but no, I no. think there's Gavin a lot. Newsom. Gavin Newsom is who I. Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Gavin Newsom. So he was. Sorry, the, was he a former I, governor of California? Yes. Yeah, I it's think fun. I have seen him in a couple of interviews. He seemed quite sharp, but I mean, it's just well, a couple he's of the one that went and, and and debated Ron DeSantis. I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but he went and, and and had a one-to-one debate with Ron DeSantis and kind of wiped the floor with him, and like really made him look stupid and incompetent. And you know, again, there's somebody there who looks like they know what they're talking about, and you got Ron DeSantis, you know. Smiling. Did you see? He went on Fox News because he can't smile. He's a he's a fucking robot. Don Simon. He um. I mean, he is an idiot. He went on Fox News and claimed that in California you could get an abortion post birth. <laughs> like literally, like you could just sort of take your baby to the doctors and they'll like returning something at war. Yeah, they'll kill it for you. Like, like yeah. <laughs> completely insane. But the problem is people will believe that people will vote for him because, you know, he says these things. So this is my I don't know if these politicians are stupid or they just pretend to be because they believe that their voter, their voting base is stupid. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I I don't uh, think it's possible to get so far if you're really that stupid. Apart from Marjorie. Uh, No, no. (laughs) With Jewish space lasers. (laughs) They probably consider themselves to be clever because they fool people into believing this nonsense. And again, like before we started this show, I said I had my critiques on the American education system. And that's a good reason why, you know, uh, that there are people out there that literally think that that is a thing that could actually happen. Post, post-birth post abortion, what? There's no such thing. Like, what? Did you... what? And there's somebody who believes it, you know? Do you find... I... It's been interesting. The Young Turks and Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show have been yeah. hammering MAGA supporters. They just keep finding these guys that just literally don't know what they're talking about. I'll yeah. spice some clips. 
But uh, do you think that's as bad as we're, with, with Brexiteers versus MAGA supporters? Because I'm yes. finding I'm not finding many <laughs> clips of Brexiteers coming out with the same level of stuff. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I could see Simon yeah. being puzzled there. But I'm like, uh, I think it's probably. <laughs> while we all here disagree with Brexit, you know, I think you know there's a there's a logical chain of thought as to why that might be a good idea. But you know, there is no logical chain of thought as to that. Well, what, what is that? Things like California, they're having post-birth abortion. What what the logical chain of thought to be in favour? Yeah, of because it, it it literally was a, a massive exercise to that has brought damage mm. to this country economically economic self-harm um uh, i and uh, and so that doesn't make sense there'd never be like a logical i don't know the logical argument for brexit that if you can tell me that'd be great um, i mean to all of us here it doesn't make sense so uh, but i think that that brexiteers argument is that they or at least some of them will say i understand that it's going to cause economic damage but i think that's a worthwhile price to pay I don't think they do. I think they say that to cover up the fact that they didn't believe it when they were told that. I mean, you know, I think that I don't agree with it as a standpoint, but some people might basically go, look, that's what I want to spend my money on. I think I think it's fine to have a worse economy in order to have sovereignty. You know, yeah, Um, well, it's the same thing with the 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 Trump effects. Uh, They 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 want to own the libs. They want to let's go Brandon. They so, want so to throw is, up the American flag. They want to, you know, they want to, they, they want to do all this ridiculousness. But see, this is the thing. I, I and I've been trying to like I've interviewed a Brexiteer in the past, and it was, we had a, a pleasant conversation. But it's like what I like to do is interview a, a MAGA supporter. But the question I put to them is, how is your, how did your life improve under Trump? So not you know, owning people or, well, he was a great leader or whatever about foreign policy. Just how did your life, because people, my question to many people is, okay, you vote to have a political party in power that improves your life. Okay. Now maybe you're really rich and you don't care about that. It's more a political thing, but for most people, they vote for things to improve, maybe something directly or something indirectly. You know, we want to see uh, a better society once you know my my home gets broken into i'd like i'm going to vote for a, a candidate who's going to deal with crime because that would mean my house gets broken into less or whatever but this is the question i would put to to trump supporters what did trump do in the four years he was in power that improved your life because talking about building walls and um north korea or whatever or owning the libs or him making money for himself or whatever that doesn't that doesn't fly it has to be something that it is some tangible way that your life has improved and i don't That's, think you can come up with anything exactly which is why i think the comparison to brexiteers is quite is quite spot on because a lot of brexiteers can't answer that question either well, i was going to say i think with a lot of these people there's an element of not wanting to admit you've made a mistake and i think with um, yeah. some brexiteers have quietly come around but you know some people just can't admit that it was a bit of an error and they just sort of dig and dig and dig i think it's again the same thing with the trump uh people because when you put tangible facts in front of them they still got now deep state fake news obama's birth remember the birth certificate Uh, yeah like someone had to be pointed out well no one was there when trump was born but no one questions that and then you go well the only difference really seems to be that their skin color 
you know. But, but, but also, like, for, for example, for Republican voters, I, I, something I don't understand about them is that they're constantly told that the Democrat is going to come and take their guns. And this goes back to the time of Clinton. Like, don't vote for Clinton. Yeah. He's going to come and take your guns. Don't vote for Obama. He's going to come and take your guns. Don't vote for Hillary Clinton. Okay, she didn't get in. Don't vote for Biden. He's going to come and, he's going to, come and take your guns. And, like, how can somebody who's been constantly told this candidate is going to take your guns and they don't, they're, they're still convinced, well, you know, next time they're going to come and take our guns. Like, at what stage do people wake up and go, wait a minute, some, somebody's lying to me? I mean, there, there, there's some interesting parallels. Uh, the both sides of the Atlantic are saying they've got a border issue. When you look at the figures for the UK, it's nothing compared to what the, U, the rest of the EU are taking in. And then it comes into this bigger problem of what's happening with the Sahara Desert, which is expanding and just taking over cities. And no one's doing anything about it, apart from the project I keep talking about, where it's the the Green Mile or the that they're trying to build of, of, of trees down the southern Sahara to try and stem the flow of the Sahara Desert. With the US, it's a similar sort of problem. There's huge desertification taking place in Central America. And you're going, you want them to stay there when there's no arable land to even use or but food it's not, to but grow it's, or any but it's not even Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's not even that. It's the, the vast majority of people who are quote-unquote illegal are people who overstay their visa. So, for example, Irish people who have, who have moved to the U.S. Uh, with a visa, the, the visa expires, and they stay there. The Irish government tried to lobby on behalf of these people some years ago. So, please don't kick them out. But it, And I'm not, not like attacking Irish people here. You know, the people from all over the world travel to the U.S. They have a visa, and the visa expires, and they become undocumented. But like the right wing instead don't want you to talk about those people which i don't think they're a problem but generally but they want you to focus on these people at, at the southern border they are the problem and it's like the tories when they say the problem is the people crossing the channel in boats which is a small percentage of the total number of people who come to the country in the first less than half of wembley stadium yeah. a year that's the problem yeah. but then do you Absolutely see nothing. Did you see James Cleverley's comments saying, hip, hip, hooray, we're going to stop carers bringing over their families? I saw that on on whatever it's called, Twitter X. Yeah, that was crazy. That was how are you bragging about- We don't about want carers' families coming over. Like, oh my God. Because <laughs> you sound is... more horrible. Go on, they, Simon. They've um... committed to lowering immigration, you know, but actually we, we need immigration in so many sectors. And they're really not left with many levers to pull. And that's why they end up doing dumb things like the spousal visa having this ridiculously high cap, um, because it's, it's the only way they can bring it down to sort of go, oh, look, we did something. Um, I mean, I, I heard quite a, I thought quite a clever argument, which is the when you say to people, what do you, do you think immigration should go up or down? People go down. But when you say to people, uh, what about migration for nurses? Uh, you know, what about migration for teachers? What, you know, people tend to go, oh, no, that should go up. So that's that's the way that you should address migration is is sort of on a sector by sector basis. People are much more amenable to it that way, I think. So why has Cleverly posted that? That's the thing. You're like, we need care workers. And you're literally actively shouting from the rooftop how great it is that you're chasing them away. Because it comes down to, well, we need to win over the Reform UK voters. That's what it's always been. It's, if it's not Reform UK, it's UKIP. If it's not UKIP, it's Brexit, Brexit voters. So it's, it's always chasing a small percentage of the population. Um, like, if, you, if you think about a carer, 
carer will decide, okay, will I go to the UK or will I go to Canada? Hmm. Well, if I go to Canada, I can take my family with me and I'll be paid a decent wage and I'll have a good contract. If I go to the UK, well, I may get a, a, con a decent contract, may not, but I won't be able to bring my family. So where am I going to go? I'll go to Canada. So the UK will lose out by having, and this is not just the Tories and their stupid policies until the end of the year. This is causing permanent damage, long-term damage, because people will not suddenly, when Labour get into power, go, okay, now I'm going to leave Canada and move to the UK because there's an opportunity, because there's a change of government. It's These things are going to cause long-term damage when the population is old, an older population, a constantly an older population, and you need more carers, you need more people to come in. So then this goes back into the United States in the comparison between MAGA and Brexiteers. MAGA supporters uh, and Brexiteers have both complained about migration. One's complaining that the border in the South and the other one, well, the same thing, Southern border in the UK. One's saying build a wall, another one's saying stop the boats. Uh, but it's nationalistic sort of ideologies. And, and, and when you really get down to it, the base of it, when you actually listen to people being interviewed about this, seems to be a race element to it. There's an element of racism attached to why they don't want these people over because they think they're causing harm or where are they getting that idea from, from the newspapers. But you've also got, this is the other irony, people in charge seem to be second generation, including Trump. Trump's third generation, isn't he? His grandmother was Scottish and moved over. I think before her son was born, his dad, There's Trump German, Sr. I think in there as well. And his family name used to be Drump, apparently. Really, which isn't as impressive as Trump somehow. <laughs> but my family, you've got James Cleverly, you've got Ben Habib from the Brexit Party, and he, I mean, even Ro I think Ron DeSantis is only third generation. Well, I find like it him. funny with people like Suella Braverman say uh, multiculturalism doesn't work. She's the most multicultural person. Not only are her parents migrants, but their her parents were migrants in the countries that they came from. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like it's yeah it's ridiculous i mean we, we, uh, it is there is a race element to it it's very it, i still am very confused by people like suella braverman Priti patel um who you know forced this narrative of the albanians are coming or the turkish or the whatever it is basically playing upon the different pigmentation of, of indigenous English people. It's the same thing in America. You got these white neighborhoods and then all of a sudden Mexicans are moving into them. These white people don't like that, 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 that there's a, there's somebody moving in who's different from them. And it's, it, and then that, that, and then there builds resentment. Um, that's how it's been. It's like, Things haven't it, things haven't changed since like the fifties mm. in America, but it's just quieter now. They just it, don't talk about it, it in the same it, way. It, it's always quite amazing when there was someone who was doing a set of interviews in the states saying, "When was the last time America was great?" And some people would say, "Oh, the sixties. and they go, "Right, so when you had racism against African Americans, America was great then, was it? <laughs> and you could see the, their heads. <laughs> It'd be an interesting thing to do in the UK as well. But in their world, in their world, sorry, to interrupt, in their world, they have this idea, it's back to the future land. You know, all Happy the white days. kids went to the soda pop shop and they played on the pinball machine and they then went and 
and courted their girlfriend who gave him a peck on the cheek. For, it, it's a fantasy. It's it's not real. I, I I would turn around and say that you'd probably be able to have a better standard of living both in the states and in the UK. I mean, you look at like in many ways, like the one thing I could see some level of logical argument for both Trump and Brexiteers is that they were going, we're not getting this wealth that you guys keep showing us on TV. We're not getting a share of it. So basically, we're going to stick a middle finger up at you and be damned with being in the EU and be damned with the status quo. We'll get this guy. We'll give Trump a chance and let him, as he claimed, drain the swamp. But the real kicker there was he didn't drain the swamp. He actually put the swamp, the swamp on steroids. And then <laughs> people still think that, that he wasn't. Because, he, yeah, the, he, yeah. <laughs> they were so gaslit into thinking that... And, and that is just, that's like literally been the last sort of even before Trump, when we talk, when we look at the Tory party and how it's turned into this, um, this weird, vague idea that the Tory party are a working class party, which is absolutely ridiculous. And, um, and when you try to tell other working class people that, that support Tory, you, you know, you're called classist. It's like, no, you're not listening. It's gaslit the poor. Billionaires have gaslit the poor to convince them that their enemies are the poor. Well, it's or like that cartoon of uh, Murdoch, where there's a guy with, like three cookies, you know, he's sat there with his plate full of cookies and he's pointing at a migrant going, that bloke wants your cookie. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I, I've got a thousand cookies here, but... You, you, you know, that guy wants to take one of yours. It's like, and it was a very interesting uh, call. I listened to James O'Brien on LBC. I don't know if you guys do. It was a very interesting call about a girl called in and she said, you know, it's unfair because my sister, she's on benefits. And, you know, um, it's, un it's unfair how she gets all these things. You know, she's disabled, but she gets it. I have to work hard for my house. And, and James had to sit, like, metaphorically sit her down and say, why are you looking down instead of up? So you're seeing your pro the problem with you working hard and bear and you're about to lose your home, but you work hard and you and you don't know why you're about to lose your home. Why do you think it's the disabled person, not the extremely rich prime minister? Who is the problem? The man who has everything or your sister who has nothing. And that's I mean, the media. That's the media. It's it's yeah. convinced people and it's been doing it for years, convincing people that their enemy is somebody who has less than them. Yeah. But this idea that the person who has less than them doesn't deserve it. They convince yeah. them that people like Rishi, oh, Rishi Sunak must be, well, he's really rich because he probably works very hard. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, no. He inherits he, all of it. And he, he, he does to pull a good bird, like <laughs> as you Brits would say, you know, he got lucky. <laughs> you know? He's a bit of a gold digger, is that what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he probably is, isn't he? <laughs> what did he... You know, well... It, I mean, it's interesting as well. I mean, even the court system seems rigged to, to protect the rich and not allow the poor to step in and get free counselling and have equal balance. And I'd, I can't say so much that. in the States. I don't have... In the States, it's actually quite funny. I had a, I had an incident where all I said to the... I can't, I'm not going to go into the full detail, but basically some car company was trying to fleece me and, double, and demand a fine off me 
for X amount of money. I think it was like $250. And all I said to get rid of them was, give me a second, I'm going to call my lawyer and then call, I'll call you back. And instantly voice changed. And he went off and said, I'm going to speak to my manager. Came back and said, actually, we're going to cancel the debt. Don't worry about it and get off the phone. And there's, in America, I feel like that you can you can do. Over in the UK, I don't think it works as well. I definitely don't think the legal system in the UK is as balanced. I mean, we've seen what's happened with the post office. So I don't think there's this like level of equality that you you can get in the states as you do in the US. Oh, I feel no, like money, money talk, there's, there's an old saying in the states: money talks, <laughs> bullshit walks. And, and you, well, the moment you mentioned that you had a lawyer that you could just call up, that person thought, "Shit, that guy has money." Isn't that interesting? And then they back off. Yeah, I think the British and, accent. You know, America's the most litigious country in the world. You know, <laughs> people sue you for breathing if they could. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. what do you think of Trump getting sued, Simon? Three hundred fifty-five million taken out of Trump's bank account. I mean, we see this time and time again, don't we? I, you know, I, I'll, I'll believe that it'll have real consequences on him when I actually see it. I mean, I'm fantastic to see him be taken down a peg, but you know, I think his his supporters will just brush it under the carpet as they always do and just go, oh, you know, it's just a conspiracy against him. Yeah. How many courts did he take uh, interference with? Saying that there was interference in the elections, they all threw it out, including... I think it was 63. Went to 63. Something like that. It was like, yeah, it was a lot of courts that they he petitioned and, 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 yeah. And And not one of them. And all of them rejected him. And still that isn't enough for MAGA supporters. Even his daughter has said that it's nonsense. And they still believe him over his daughter there's interest that has to be paid on it <laughs> and the interest is charged per day so as long as trump doesn't pay the fine he has to pay interest on the fine um, now he has appealed it but it's looking likely that he he'll lose the appeal and he's paying and the interest is something like a hundred thousand dollars a day so that's a lot of a lot of shoes he has to sell um and the second is that um it's looking likely that they'll seize his assets so he's Trump Tower and stuff like that will be confiscated if he doesn't pay his fine. So he's in in serious trouble um, financially. Now, whether he'll whether he'll win the uh, the nomination is probably he'll likely win the nomination. Whether he'll try and run for president or win win the 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 White House again, I don't know. But he's certainly in serious doo doo at the moment financially. And and then there's also another what eight, eighty million that he has to pay in compensation to somebody who he sexually assaulted. So I was just going to say, can, you know, can you imagine if we were actually looking at a situation that he was trying to rule the country from prison? I mean, I mean, it, it sounds bonkers, but it's not going mean, to happen. Maybe, you know, don't say it's not going to happen. People in 2016 <laughs> said it's not going to I happen. I know, I know, I know, I know. Everyone gets very, uh, <laughs> very, very upset. I get it. <laughs> But I just, I cannot see, I can't see the establishment of America allowing a president to be a president in jail. I can't, I just can't see it happening. Republicans won't have that. I'm mixed. I feel like that would be such an amazing democratic move that even a prisoner can run the country. But then he just, um, wouldn't he have, wouldn't he just uh, pardon himself and then he'd be out of jail? You um can only do that with federal no, crimes not yeah. if it's state so if it's a state crime he would have to serve time and i think i think if it's a state crime he's still allowed to be president al capone al capone was in prison and he was running his 
his mob. So go I was going to say the, they have this Colorado uh, me Colorado <laughs> court case about uh, whether or not he could run for yeah. office, and and the question was because I think that the the Constitution said that you know you can't hold office if you've been convicted of a crime or something. And I mean I'm not clear on the absolute specifics, but the question was is is the office of president applicable when we're talking about holding office it was it was that kind of level of question and i think they were they were kind of an outlier and they, they decided yes it was but i mean that's just mad the fact that you, know, you, you might bar another politician from running but you will allow someone to be president who it was involved <laughs> in an insurrection <laughs> yeah it's about the insurrection and um if it's found that he was responsible uh, I think that is that's a case that's coming up, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Colorado one was. Well, no, the Colorado one. It, the Colorado one, I think, is is a preemptive strike to sort of say if he is found guilty of inciting the insurrection, well, Colorado will go. Well, that's it. He can't be on our ballot because it's in the Constitution that he can't do that. Wow. I don't. I, I, I mean, I could be a little wrong on that, but yeah, that's what I think. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Liz Truss was out in the States talking about the deep state as well, wasn't she? What on earth? She thinks the trans activists in the civil service uh, messed up her whole premiership. I thought it was a lettuce. <laughs> no, the lettuce just outlasted her. <laughs> she, I just love, but some people were doubling down going, no, 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 they just, they just didn't stick with a bonkers economic plan long enough. That was the problem. If they just really double down on it, then these the mysterious benefits come. It's like, or it was a shit idea, maybe. That's what, that's what Hitler was saying about World War One: No ammunition, no troops, no risk supplies. But if we just double down, we would have won World War One. Like, that's... I know it's but quite no, a no, but no, it's no, like no. that level of insanity. Well, I mean, but, but... She's, she's now at that level of the Marjorie Taylor Greene level of insanity like the conspiracy the you know all, all that sort of stuff is starting to like almost as if she's been indoctrinated uh, i think she's uh, what just were you gonna empty, say back sorry no, no no i just think she's an empty vessel she she'll do whatever she's yes. told so she she yes. was listening to the iea people when she was prime minister and they were like going cut taxes that's the way to grow the economy and she's like okay whatever uh, I, because she used to be a member of the liberal democrats and she spoke at their conference. Then she was a, a, a Remainer. She said, look, if we leave the European Union, it's going to be a disaster. And you can find the clips. And she's completely correct in what she was predicting. I mean, the day the vote came in, she became a Brexiteer. And it just so I, I don't, don't think she actually has an ideology. She's just, OK, if I become a, a hardline conservative, I can make a lot of money out of this. Speaking to Republicans in the US, they don't really know who I am, but I'm telling them what they want to hear. I'm telling them that the West is collapsing, that uh, trans people are destroying governments or whatever, destroying Western society. Th this is the sort of thing that she's pushing because they they want to hear that. Yeah, like it, I can guarantee you I wouldn't do it, but I can guarantee you if I had a bigger, a slightly bigger platform and I tomorrow said Brexit was a wonderful idea. Brexit is a is a success. I, I would actually get people probably funding me, sending me money, saying, "Yeah, go go on TV and say it was." You you would 
you converted or whatever. This is what these people want to see. It's it's but it's scary because there are because there are people funding this and then there are people who think that she would actually do a good job as prime minister once again. She was she had it taken away from her. I'm going to I'm going to play devil's enough. advocate very briefly with the deep state because that's what she was talking about. That's what we were talking about with Trump. That's what we were talking about with Americans and Brits feeling like there's a group of people that are basically getting success and the rest of the population are left to go swing. What about the Epstein case? The only people that are being charged, and there is a list of people, and we know that the FBI have a list of people and they have video footage that's never been released. And we have witnesses stating names of famous people across the world, both in the UK and US. And yet the only people that have been charged are Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Yet we know from both witness statements, the reports, the flight logs and everything. Loads of other people have been looked at and no one's investigating. And I'll bring it over to the UK Met. They point blank refuse to investigate Prince Andrew. So is there a deeper state that we don't know about? I mean, is that evidence? I, I, I know it's a bit of a curveball with today, but I'm also thinking to myself, you know, that's what a lot of people, I'd say more with MAGA supporters, they feel like there's some sort of deep state that's holding them back. And I'm going, to me, that would be pointing towards some sort of state that's protecting a group of very powerful people. Simon? Um, I'm not. I mean, uh, is what you mean by deep state. I mean, I think mm. Prince Andrew, uh, deep state has very conspiratorial connotations. I think Prince Andrew is a very powerful, wealthy individual, uh, you know, connected to politics, connected to the royal family. Um, and I think that they probably didn't have hefty amounts of evidence. And so they there was just probably a deep unwillingness to go after him there, um, I think. Sorry, basically dobbed himself in there, didn't he, with his bizarre uh, interview <laughs> with um, Emily Maitlis. But if it had been anyone else, they would have been pulled up in court. They would so have imagine been if that was Harry. Go on, go on, Scott. Imagine if that had been Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Been Harry, yeah. be having, I mean, be having he Harry. would have been eviscerated. He would have been. He would have been skinned alive outside the Buckingham Palace. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's very strange. It to me, it kind of felt like, and I know this doesn't sound weird. Weird, like it was. It was as he was pushed away and and put, you know, put away for a little while because the Queen paid off this girl, right? Um, and it was like, oh, well, the poor queen, she's going through it. You know, she's got this run to the litter. Um, and everyone loved the queen and they all felt sorry for her. So they just kind of, you know, we went, except for, you know, except for Republicans who, you know, are still sitting there going, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. There's no smoke without fire. They were friends. What was going on? As you, as you say. And to me, it was always just like, well, people felt sorry for the Queen, so they just wanted to make it go away. Uh, that's, was, that, so Trump, that makes sense, though. But Trump's involved in this as well. We have video footage of him with Epstein eyeing up it's women. So but, but my, my, my question is, so when it comes to the deep state, I, I don't believe um, Epstein is linked to the deep state. For me, the deep state is things like that the government do that um, I, I recommend people do a bit of research into the hooded men in Northern Ireland. That's a really good example of the deep state. Um, some people will know what I'm talking about. But um, no, when it comes to uh, Epstein, I think it's just pure corruption. These people wanted to access certain things. He could do it. You gave him money. 
or but but also he had influence over you so he had you know he, he had receipts so you wouldn't you you would do what he wanted um or he had influence in a sense so i, I think it was more about corruption because allegedly stephen hawking was was there now stephen hawking isn't some multimillionaire or billionaire so what sort of like bill gates looks like he's I mean, every time he's interviewed like, about like it, I, I he can looks sheepish I, as anything. Yeah, but I can understand people like Prince Andrew or um, Trump or maybe Bill Clinton. These are these are high-profile political figures. But I, I, I don't understand <laughs> the fact, you know, what, what sort of influence Stephen Hawking would have over, like, what would be the value of holding receipts on him? I, I, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's more about corruption than any sort of deep state conspiracy. So if we're talking about the deep state, we can also talk about Tucker Carlson and his bizarre interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh, were any of you aware as well that Putin slagged off Tucker Carlson for being a weak interviewer? Did you did you hear that as well? I don't know. <laughs> Vladimir Putin criticised. <laughs> although although I, I would be pretty weak if I was interviewed by Putin there's a chance you might have an accident with a window or a cup of yeah. tea so. well, well, Putin seems to just roll over these journalists anyway and just continues talking and talking and talking and talking knowing that because he's the president of Russia no one's going to interrupt him no one's going to stop him you know, he kind of bulldozed his way through this whole interview, apparently, did a whole half hour history of Russia, um, you know, and 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 and, and, and all that. So it, it, it kind of it, every journalist is gonna look weak to him because he dominates the conversation completely. There were two after I'll bring this in after just because I could see why you would be concerned if you're going over to Russia to interview him. Yeah. So there were two Met officers that went over to uh, Moscow after the Litvinenko poisoning in London and they were offered tea and they both said they came down with diarrhea immediately afterwards and were really struggling to be able to do the interviews. So it makes you wonder if if it had been a difficult one with Tucker Carlson, could he have been given some dodgy tea or something is a response well, like, I still I'm think not saying like he'd kill him anywhere. I'm saying he would make his life whilst living there well whilst being in Moscow a difficult one I don't know to be fair I would very much enjoy watching Tucker Carlson shit himself in an interview yes <laughs> literally yeah. all the time every day I, I'd watch reckon he, I reckon, I reckon he'd just keep a straight face and just carry on <laughs> it's like just don't acknowledge it <laughs> He slightly looks constipated when he's when he's giving that quizzical. When he's trying to laugh, he does that fake laugh that he does. Sorry, Simon. Was because I heard him described as a sentient boat shoe, which I thought was the (laughs) the best description. About right. You know, I I mentioned it earlier. It was these weird little points that he did. Oh, well, look how clean the subway is. Uh, obviously, America's really dirty and gross. We're like, we're absolute Philistines. We're disgusting. But the Russians, look how beautiful it all is here. Oh, they, they're so much better. Look, look, look. Was he like marrying into the family or something? <laughs> yeah, I, right. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Um, you know, and, and he's trying to, as an American grown up in the 80s, right? I, I I find it absolutely shocking that somebody a Republican went to 
interview a Russian president. If you had seen this, if this had been 40 years ago, you know, he would have he been, been called, called a traitor. Com- He'd be called a red commie bastard. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it is insane to me that he went there in the first place and that there are people in America now, Taylor Greens, the, you know, the lower, that look up to Putin in some way. How did that happen? And, you know, how has that changed? Like, I, it's money. I think it's because because of this term that I hate, woke, um, because the right wing media have changed the meaning of that terminology. But it's because Putin's, so Putin is so anti woke. There were a couple of things yeah. that Putin started lambasting before everyone else. And then our right wing in the EU, UK, and USA latched onto it and literally verbatim started repeating what he was saying. Mm. His anti anti trans, his homophobia. Anti-gay. Yeah, like. He was definitely going along those lines. But it also gets quite amplified on social media. And mm. we know that, you know, Russia have bot farms and stuff like that. So, well, you know, a lot of this stuff, if, if you actually to speak to people in person, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? But it, it seems to be very, very um, I've, powerful. I've spoken, I've met Russians who were living in England, you know, and, and you would say, so how, how homophobic is it over there? And, you know, and they're just like, actually, a lot of people really don't care. You know, not saying they said it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, but at the same time, you know, there's no pride marches. There's, you know, there's still, it's not, it's not cool, but it's not, you know, it, it's impressive, know. but it's not like how we are seeing it on the Twitter and the blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. Did, did anyone, did anyone see the story about the Canadian family, the Orthodox Canadian family who went to Russia? So they, so I'll just tell you quickly, um, so an Orthodox um, Christian uh, family in Canada were so tired of um, Justin Trudeau and um, and uh, wokeness and everything. So they decided we're, we're going to go to a place where um, our traditions are respected to Russia. <laughs> and they they ended up, uh, they've, they tried to transfer money from Canada. It was frozen. Um, they tried to, try to negotiate um conditions with um russian officials but they don't speak russian um and they don't know that money money buys influence so they have no money and they can't speak russian and now they're living in their anti <laughs> anti woke utopia and they can't get back to canada uh, wow. um they the the mother of the family made the critical mistake of uh, criticizing russia while she was there while interviewed by russian media wow i do recommend I, checking I always out find... I just I find woke has just become the most to my mind woke is just, is PC it's just a new invention yeah. of PC but it's become the most trumped up boogeyman thing that people get so phenomenally worked up about and I think just ultimately just means being nice like yes. just just like well, the actual the actual uh, definition of it is is comes from America um, where it is. Talk is of being alert to the injustice of people of color um, and other minorities, um, and it has been twisted by the right because it was used against the right. <laughs> they sort of reclaimed it back and turned everything that was 
PC into the woke boogeyman. And then people now will use the word woke in, the, in completely abstract terms. That's not, when context doesn't make any sense at all, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, what I'm saying is, like, it's like the freedom of speech thing. It's like people, these purveyors of freedom of speech, you know, but God forbid you say anything woke or, you know, you are defending a minority of some description or it's just an excuse to be racist and homophobic and all the other bits and pieces. I, I, I there was obviously the I, I, I'm going to slightly move on just because um, we're running out of time. I, I would say, yeah, that it's definitely being corrupted, 100%. And it's very atypical of right-wing media to corrupt wording and, and lambast a group, as, as we pointed out earlier with the cookie example. Rupert Murdoch's got all the cookies, but he's pointing out that this, this guy's turned up and he might nick it. It's, it's a similar sort of thing. You've always got to have, don't look at us as the problem. Look at the people who are in the worst position. They're the biggest threat. And yet, um, it was also interesting to see, just to go back a little bit, Navalny died this week in prison. His mum comes out on TV and says, I haven't seen the body for five days. But the other interesting thing I noted, the day after Navalny died and everyone was criticizing the Putin regime, suddenly this flood of claims came out that Navalny was working with the CIA all across social media. I was like, hmm, I wonder what Troll Farm is like pushing that little idea along. I thought it was quite interesting. Typical Russian influence. That's not our biggest threat, though, is it, Simon? We uh, are we are we threatened by China and their impending invasion of Taiwan, or are the Americans blowing right wing smoke up all of us again? Um, are we personally? Well, we're not personally directly affected. I mean, just um, if I just sort of do a quick rundown of the history of Taiwan in a minute, just to sort of sort of set the scene. Um, I'd like this, yeah, go. So in about 1927, uh, China was in a civil war uh, between two parties. You had the People's Republic of China, led by Mao Zedong, and you had the Nationalist Republic of China, led by Chiang Kai-shek. Now, come uh, 1949, uh, Chiang Kai-shek was losing this war. So him and his supporters needed somewhere to flee to. So they decided to flee to Taiwan. Now, Mao was massing troops uh, at the coast and was going to invade Taiwan, put an end to the whole thing. Um, but then elsewhere in Asia at the same time, in 1950, the Korean War was going on. And basically, America didn't want to see the further spread of communism in Asia. So they went to Mao and they basically said, stand down. You know, we're back in Chiang Kai-shek. Leave them alone. Um, so that's kind of how things stayed for the next couple of decades. You had the People's Republic of China in China and you had the Republic of China in Taiwan, both of which were claiming to be China. Um, now, for a long time, the democratic or the recognition of the state of China stayed with the Republic of China in Taiwan. Um, but then in the 70s, this started to shift. So then uh, in, I think, 1978, America formally recognized um, China. and they But they weren't ready to sort of abandon Taiwan altogether. So they put in place a policy which is kind of colloquially known as strategic ambiguity. But they basically allude that they would protect Taiwan, but don't formally commit to it. So there's always that air of uncertainty if China was to have invade um and then following on from that in about the 80s taiwan started to uh, quite heavily liberalize and um started to get democracy and that kind of sets the scene where we are nowadays so you've got uh people's republic of china in china 
and they're still very very keen to take over taiwan and they're always threatening to do so and taiwan in terms of the un lacks uh full recognition as a state um but as as a place it is culturally drifting quite far from china and uh politically would be very very difficult for china to to take over you know the taiwanese do not now identify as chinese um and constantly xi jinping is doing the saber rattling on the border saying you know we're going to invade we're going to invade we're going to take taiwan um and that's the question is is he going to invade um now if he does invade uh it then leads to this further question of what will the U.S. do? Will the U.S. get stuck in? Uh, I think Biden has kind of come down on the side that he would protect Taiwan. But then obviously Trump is much more protectionist of America and may well stay out of it. If 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 America was to intervene, it could could be a major geopolitical conflict. Um, I mean, I, I went to Taiwan and I did a video project on this. And my conclusion, and touch wood, I very much hope I'm right. I think that China... Is probably bluffing for the reasons that Taiwan geographically is very difficult to invade, um, but it would also destroy uh, China's, um, you know, economic development uh, because it would plunge, you know, China deeply into a conflict with the West. Um, but yeah, it's it is a fascinating topic. Can, can I be a slight fly in the ointment to that? Because I, and this is mm-hmm. like this is what we want to hear is that it's just bluffing. But um, there are some serious economic uh, problems facing China at the moment regarding the population and um, housing. There's like there's a, a number of housing bubbles that are that are bursting or about to burst, and this could create civil unrest perhaps or put pressure on the government to distract the public from this. And and I've seen a number of videos online about uh, a potential invasion of Taiwan, and it would be an absolute massacre because it's mountainy and it's really difficult to build a, a to, to to like to to attack it and to to get a foothold there um but is there a risk that china would have internal problems and they could decide maybe it would maybe it'd be good a good distraction uh that is a risk um i mean i you know i wonder what putin is thinking looking at sorry uh, xi jinping is thinking looking at putin i would argue that putin went into ukraine for the same reason um domestically it may not be doing him any favors but yeah i mean there, there certainly is that risk that they could do it as a you know and, and he refers to it as the rejuvenation of the of the chinese nation you know they do view it as this big national pride thing and i think the other reason that china is so threatened by taiwan is it's um it was ranked as one of the most democratic countries in the world uh-huh. you can call it a country um and it's a very liberal place when i went there it feels quite liberal they were the first place in asia to legalize same-sex marriage for instance and you know of course to china having this brilliant beacon for democracy just off the shoreline is they do not like that you know and it's uh they they view it as threatening it's almost like the American it, Cuba, isn't it? They hate Cuba in reverse, yeah. because Cuba would, would, it, would it be similar to would it be similar to Hong Kong in a sense? Well, I think the the population of Chai, of Taiwan have looked at Hong Kong, and obviously Hong Kong, you had this two one uh, one country two systems situation that the Chinese basically just stuck two middle fingers up to, and that was it. Um, and uh, they've been trying for quite a few years to economically move closer to Taiwan to sort of make some kind of unification easier um and i think 2014 there was a trade deal that was going to go through between the two countries and there was this massive youth movement called the sunflower movement 
they they went as far as to take over the legislature and put a stop to this trade deal because they were, I mean, this is before the main stuff in Hong Kong, but they were witnessing the way that uh, China was hawking around Hong Kong. And they thought that's going to be us if we, uh, if we allow this. It's, it's interesting. So I, I was listening to Chomsky's take on it, which I quite agreed with in the end, where he was like, I think this is just American, typical American rhetoric from from the military industrial complex, suggesting that if you look at China's spending on its military, it hasn't increased, hasn't changed. That's not to say it's not significant military regardless, but if it was ramping up for war, it's really easy to see that it's ramping up for war because you can see the economic output being put into it. And you'll see that in Historically, in every country, you have to increase military spending if you're about to go into war, not your your standard peace sort of time uh, spending, which is quite an interesting analysis. But also, I know that straits are a problem. You've got the issue of, I think uh, there was a bit of a kerfuffle in the noughties as well, weren't there? Like ICBMs put onto Taiwan from America, which caused a bit of a kerfuffle with the um, Chinese government and the American government, sort of uh... very similar to Taiwan. Uh, uh, similar to Russia trying to put them on Cuba. Um, I'm not sure about the ICBMs, but any any time, because the Chinese are very sensitive about any kind of acknowledgement of uh, Taiwan as a state. You know, there's weird examples of this, like John Cena um, called it a country and hmm. had to do a, an apology in Mandarin, because uh, I think they basically told them, you're not going to show your Fast and Furious movie here unless you apologise for this. But they... and any behavior to recognize Taiwan as a state uh, is really disliked from China. And that's why uh, last year Pelosi went there and they, yes. they lost their shit, if you remember. Um, and but... that was because it was it was a move by the US that looked like it was sort of recognizing it as a country. And, and Taiwan themselves are very a- apprehensive about referring to themselves as a country. I mean, like Tsai Ing-wen, the um, prime minister, was asked this question and she was basically saying like we we act in all manners as a country she was saying but she wouldn't refer to taiwan as a country wow because she trump, knew that trump caused a kerfuffle as well didn't he because he took a phone call without quite twigging what the geopolitical consequences were and i don't think he gave a stuff as well afterwards but he took it from the taiwanese president and then said uh, uh, and took the call as if it was like a regular country and didn't know what the outcome was but then let's let's go back to what trump said he said he won't back countries in NATO if they don't pay. And then it makes you go, is he going isolationist? Is he going 1920s America again, where they sort of isolated themselves from the rest of the world. And as a result, there was no power balance, which allowed a lot of crazy dictators to take advantage. Scott, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and the whole thing in general. Well, the whole thing of Taiwan. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. <laughs> um <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, I thought it was funny what Trump said about NATO. Um, I thought that was really quite ironic, considering um, he said, you know, you gotta pay. Well, Trump doesn't pay anybody. He doesn't pay any of the contractors he's got, any of his lawyers. He ain't paid nobody. He, if it, he should start looking at his own house. He started worrying about what the other European countries are doing in regard to paying their bills. He needs to pay his own bills. But, but what's also funny about him saying, you know, they, well, Russia should attack countries that, that don't pay their way. But the countries we're talking about is countries like Germany, which isn't bordering Poland, sorry, bordering Russia. So it's, it's actually the Eastern European countries that are spending the most of their GDP on um, on NATO membership. 
and and they're the ones in the firing line. So like even if Trump were to to follow through with that, he'd be throwing the ones who are actually paying the most under the bus as well. Well, you know, he doesn't. But he, I don't think he understands that either. I don't. It, 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 he has a very isolationist attitude, um, and and I did the first time around. You know, uh, and it's probably because he's not smart enough to understand world affairs. Somebody said that he was influenced by the last person who was in the room. So if you're if you're the last person in the room and you say it'd actually be a good idea for us to defend NATO countries, he'd be like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. So he he doesn't actually have a like he doesn't actually have a functioning ideology. He doesn't actually have an ideology at all. It's just do what he he thinks would would suit him on that note, leave a Bye-bye. like and a subscribe and please check out everyone else's channels here thank you very much everyone bye thanks guys bye next week for another exciting story from the files of police squad can anyone sing their national anthem like the whole way through america god shed his grace on thee (laughs) and thou like brown sea to shining hold on oh sir can you see by the dawn's early light i can sing them all America! Fuck yeah! Hell yeah! Simon! <laughs> I mean, I should be able to do ours. I was only about three verses long, but... Well, I mean, A, you wouldn't <laughs> want to hear me sing, period. But, um... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to start singing. <laughs> God, oh. God save the king? No. no. Do you even recite the lyrics? Uh, God save our gracious king now. Um, send him victorious, happy and glorious. Um, something... Something, something, dark side. I don't know what. Uh, dark side. No, I don't, no, I dark side. Kill the Scots. I think that's yeah, in oh, there yeah, as kill, well. Rebellious Scots to crush. Yeah, we yeah. got rid of that one. We decided it was a bit. Um... They never sing it in the English football. Yeah, why don't they like us? I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Max, how's the Irish anthem? Or it's uh, no, I, 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 we, we have the Irish. We have it in Irish and we have it in English. And I'm <laughs> shame on me. I can't sing it. I, but I would still prefer Trump, and I would still prefer Trump. Uh, fuck, I'm gonna have to edit that out.